0: Inches. I pray, God, for some victory to be released today. I pray that we can lay some foundations of some things that we can be doing and seeking and focusing on that are going to build our faith to release mighty things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Good morning. You guys can have a seat or walk around, pace. I don't know. That's what I'm going to do. Do my best thinking while I'm pacing around, stressed out. Back in our series called So Simple, we appreciate if you guys wouldn't be a distraction this week like you were last week. That was weird. I'm just kidding. Brother Dave's doing well, by the way. Uh, he was fine that afternoon, so everything was okay. So everything was good. Thank you. <clears throat> He's probably watching online this morning going, please don't draw attention to me. But uh, name's Dave Taylor. His address, credit cards, and social security number are, just kidding. Um, so today I want to talk about building a strong faith, working out your faith. So this, this is a simple series, but it's seven messages long, and, and each, but each thing is just a simple thing. We talked about the Bible to begin with and how important it is to be in the Bible, thinking about it, meditating on it, uh, growing in it. Last week, we talked about prayer, and God gave us an up-close-and-personal illustration of what happens when you pray, of situations that we need prayer in, and uh, so it was, a, it was a great... Last week was actually very incredible, just the way God handled things. Believe me, that was not in the plan. I had an amazing sermon I was going to give, and uh, God got all of our attention anyway. So today I'm talking about, um, okay, th- this is very important to me, and so <laughs> I-, I don't want to come across as grumpy today, so just just know that I love you and I don't mean to be grumpy. But um, if you don't fight for your faith, you will lose it. That's, that's what you need to know, okay? Nothing is more important in this life on earth than your faith. And here's the reality. The reality is, and it's one that we as Christians don't, I don't think we think about this enough, is this. Very few are going to find faith in the grand scheme of things. There are untold numbers that are going to be redeemed and saved at the end of all things that are recorded for you in the book of Revelation and in other places. But that untold number is a fraction of all the numbers who are the people who are going to live and die from creation to the time that Jesus returns. And so, if you find yourself in a family that has faith, you need to consider yourself very very blessed. If you have a faith now and you believe in God and you believe in Jesus Christ and you you find yourself in a a sphere of Christ-honoring people in your home, you are ridiculously blessed. Really, if we were honest, that should be enough for us. I mean, really, just having Jesus should be enough for us. In fact, he told a couple of parables about how that finding that pearl of great price or that hidden treasure was worth giving up everything else just to have, and that's Jesus. Jesus is worth losing everything just to have Jesus. And that's how you have to, you, you've got to think about your faith In that way, not just your faith. And when I talk about faith, guys, I'm not talking about this ambiguous stuff that they talk about on TV shows. I'm talking about faith in Jesus Christ. He's the lunatic who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said, okay? He's the guy that rose from the dead. You struggle with the things that you find in this world, the science that is brought out, the historical, archaeological digs and all these kind of things. You struggle with those things, and, and I don't, because I look at Jesus and I'm going, you know, whatever Jesus believed, he's the guy that rose from the dead, I think I'm going to stick with him. No archaeologist or uh, scientist living today rose from the dead, okay? And so I trust Jesus, and I love you, but I don't trust you. I, I don't trust scientists, I, I'm, I, I may not trust politicians, but I want to stay away from that one right now. I don't have enough time to rant all I want to about that one, so I'll let it go. The point is, is that Jesus is the answer, he said he was the answer. The other point is this, we need to be saved. And this is something that the church today, Christianity today, must wrap its head around We don't need to be comfortable. We don't need to succeed. All those things are nice. God can do all those things. God does do all those things. But bottom line, end of the day, end of your life, before you hit your tombstone, you need to be saved. Saved implies that there's something to be saved from. Okay? God nailed His Son to a cross. That shows you what's at stake. That shows you the stakes of how far God was willing to go to save you. Does that, does that settle in somewhere important? Because it needs to. So your faith is important, and you are going, <clears throat> we have to remember that. The Bible says in Hebrews 2, 3, What makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and delivered by those Uh, who heard him speak. I want you to have salvation. I want you to live it. I want you to embrace it. I want the gospel to be a part of every day of your life. Not just a moment when you were six at a vacation Bible school. I want want the gospel to be a key part of all of our lives, every day of our lives. Every part of our lives needs saving. My marriage needs saving. My health needs saving. My finances need saving. And Lord, my attitude always needs saving. It needs a resurrection and some light, you know, a full-on baptism. I have known many people in my lives. I have had more conversations than I will ever be able to count. My favorite thing to do is to sit down over a, a hot drink or something and to hear someone's story. Because what I get to do, this is, this is my life and my ministry, I get to hear all of these tragic, horrible stories end at the cross of jesus and hope be born again i get to hear this story over and over and over again it is my favorite part of what i do i love to hear the redemptive stories in every person that i meet i know that have met jesus we need saved and jesus is the only way to do that so we need to have a faith You need to count yourself lucky, uh, not blessed, I mean blessed, if you have a faith, and then you better, you better, I don't know if you're listening right now, but especially younger minds, younger lives, you better guard your faith. Because the minute God anoints you with His Holy Spirit, your enemy has a target on your face. And He wants to end Whatever faith you may have, He wants to take that from you. Okay? And if you don't guard your faith, you will lose it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Just by a a, a nod of head, have any of you ever struggled with your faith? See? The second you have it, you're a target for someone to take it away from you. Jesus even taught that that was so. And so, Paul writes that to Timothy. Peter writes, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Be on guard. Then then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. You have to guard your faith. I, and, and so what I'm about to say, I want to I preface with this. I want believers to have unbelievers in their friends' circles. I want you to have relationships with people who don't know Jesus yet. I, I want to have that, and I do everything I can to have that. But, 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 that's a conjunction. It stops it doesn't negate what I said before, but it puts a huge caveat after it, and it's this. Do not let, do not let into your inner circle and inner thoughts and unbelieving ideas from other people. Do not let it happen. Do not let it fester. Am I saying don't question your faith? No, I'm saying work hard at your faith. Bring God's word against your fa- these ideas that are that don't honor God, that produce strongholds that trap us. Bring God's word against that. Get counsel against that. But don't let unbelieving people too close to your life. Michael, that sounds like you're being a separatist. I am. Jesus only let three other guys in the periphery of the garden. And at the end of it, he ended up going to the center alone. There are levels of friendships and levels of relationships. You have to manage this. Why? Because your faith is at stake. Michael, but I believe once saved, always saved. You can believe what you want. But there's the Bible, and there's all these verses in there that tell you to persevere to the end, that you must guard your faith, that you must hang on. I also believe in eternal security, but not like someone who says once saved, always saved. When someone says that, I know they don't believe that, they just heard someone say that. And so what I'm here to tell you is that we are supposed to make our calling and election sure, is what Peter said. We're supposed to pursue Jesus. You can make all the decisions they want you want, and if it doesn't turn you into someone who loves and pursues Jesus, those decisions don't mean much. Okay? And so it's so important for you to understand that we have to guard our faith. We, we can't let the foundations of that faith be destroyed. And if I could speak to young adults, you uh, older teenagers right now. Listen, the world is, many of you are, are in families that have faith. You need to thank God for that. You also need to know that the second you leave your home, whether that's going to high school Or college, that you have an enemy that's going to do everything possible to strip that faith from you. And it's going to sound really good in the stuff he offers you. But here's the problem. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. He's the only way. Any other way that exempts Jesus is not the way. It can sound good. It will certainly feel good. It can look right. It can feel right. But if Jesus isn't the center, foundation, cause, life, and power of it, it isn't right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Michael, you're, you're really uh, <clears throat> dogmatic about this. Yeah. Only because Jesus was. <laughs> Only because Jesus was. So I, w- I want you to have a faith, and I want you to guard your faith, and that is really what today is about. We're going to the gym, working out our faith. Three-point outline, it should be done in an hour and 45 minutes. We're going to suit up, toughen up, and then we're going to do something that Christians never do. We're going to execute. Execute? you mean like, hurt somebody? Well, Okay, we did used to do that, but we stopped. <laughs> no, it means we're actually going to do something. We're going to execute something in our faith. The problem with too much Christianity today is it's all about what we think and never about what we do, so we want to do something. Okay? But first, we have to suit up. We're going to spend our day in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're starting in verse 3. Peter writes to us By his divine power, God, so now we know whose divine power it is, the only one who has it, God, has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Say the word everything. Everything. You don't need, you don't need God to FedEx anything to you, okay? You're not waiting for anything else. He's already given you everything you need. Do you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, someone sent me a, a, a something this morning. I can't remember. I saw it on Facebook or it was a text or whatever it was. But they sent, uh, this group uh, village hadn't had any rain. They decided they were going to gather for a day to pray for rain. The entire village gathered, but only one little boy brought an umbrella. <clears throat> so... So we need to learn to believe, you know, we need to bring our umbrella here. So God's given us everything we need. We receive this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Glory and excellence are the two words you need to focus on at this moment. And because of his glory and excellence... Uh, He has given us great and precious promises, God's glory and excellence, our great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. These are the promises that give you victory, as we just sang about. These are the promises. This is how you get victory. You don't get victory by sitting around going, I know it's coming, you get victory by, knowing, by embracing the promises and knowing who your God is. That's how you move into victory, okay? So here we are in Peter, and I, so we gotta suit up. We gotta get ready for this. How do we suit up? One, God's glory. God's glory. God's glory, not my glory. It's not my kingdom. It's not my church. It annoys me to know end when people say that to me. <laughs> why are you telling me the things that annoy you? So people will stop annoying me. Doesn't work. They're like, yeah, yeah. I've been to your church. I'm like, the day that this is Michael's church, we're all a mess, and I'm leaving. Okay, it's got to be Jesus' church, but it's, it's got to be God's church, all right. So you see these these two words, glory and excellence, and and I would go into the Greek, but my Greek is just so bad; it's like Greek to me. I don't even understand it half the time. Anyway, so um. But it, So you're, it's talking about the good existence of God and the good actions of God. Glory leans into his existence. The fact that God is. And this is something we see all the time. Jesus said, the I am. And Moses was told that God was the I am. And the I am. And said, God exists as something magnificent. God exists as something magnificent perfectly profoundly even defining good this is god's existence this is his uh just how he lives as god but he also does excellent things everything he does is excellent and good and so this is the basis for everything who God is and what God does how God exists and the actions that God takes this is glory and excellence this is what has called us to him this is the basis for your faith not your choices but God's goodness does that that make sense so this is what we need to wrap our heads around. Our Reformed brothers and sisters, they have five, they call them solas. It's, solas is a Latin word. It means only, focus, uh, singular. Uh, there's some other f- words that, that kind of capture it. It's funny, though. I don't know how you have five ones, but it, I guess, you know, it works. But one of them, the number one is, is sola de gloria, which is the glory of God alone. God's glory alone. And so we need to understand that this is why we're on this earth, for God's glory. This is why I'm alive, for God's glory. This is my purpose. It's God's glory. And I know human nature immediately begins thinking, but what about me? Well, I'll get to you. We can't not get to you, right? But it is about God's glory. That is the primary purpose of our life. Last night, uh, as I was going to bed, the last night of the fair, they do fireworks a few nights, you know. And I live a couple miles away, so I'm going to sleep. Boom! (laughs) And I had to put down my shotgun. I was about to shoot the dog. And (sighs) I'm jumpy at night. I'm jumpy, okay, so... I mean, if someone ever does break in, I will kill myself trying to kill them. I know it. I know it. But anyway, and and so I live out north, and so now, you know, I can see the fireworks displays. July 4th, though, is the main reason I started telling you that. July 4th in in any place in the country, but especially Rock Springs, because you can see everywhere out from where I live, July 4th is hilarious to me. And here's why. Here the city comes along... And I don't know how much they spend on fireworks, probably probably 30 or 40 bucks or something. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a lot, you know. My neighbor spends a lot, too, but he's annoying. That's different. And, um, <clears throat> but they, they, man, they had the show and so I'm sitting out in my, my driveway, looking over to the events complex and the, you know, going to watch the fireworks show. And all around, it, so here's the show. Boom, bang! <laughs> I mean, light and fire and ooh ah uh, and a and a black over here's my I don't know if it's my neighbor I don't know if it's my neighbor's kid I, I don't know if it's his dog I don't know what it is but all of a sudden here's huge fireworks over here, Shh, bing <laughs> bing the whole show, bottle rocket after bottle rocket I'm like this is awesome magnificent display of kinetic power, bing what. What is wrong with you? That is exactly how we live our lives. Here's God, incredible, awesome power, and here's me, Bing! (laughs) God's glory, God's glory, my life for His glory, my life poured out for the greatest, most powerful thing that can be. I am part of what He's doing. I am part of what He's doing. Do you understand? This is the basis for your faith. You have to suit up and know that it's God's purposes and God's glory. Then you have to realize that our faith is fueled by God's promises, not my efforts. God's promises, not my efforts. I'm telling you, your life will change if you stop living by your power and start living by God's promises. In fact, Peter uses two words here, the precious promises, uh, mega, big, these incredible promises of God. Have you ever just taken a little while and started thinking about the things that God has promised and done for you? He's able to save them to the uttermost, is what uh, the Hebrew says in the King James, and I just love the word uttermost. I would love to find ways to work it into sentences, but I'm afraid people would think I was talking about cows, so I don't. He's able to save them the uttermost. The kingdom is theirs. These are promises of God. They will see God. They will be blessed. They will be righteous. They'll have forgiveness, provision in this life, answers to prayer, every good thing, rewards, God's presence, God's power, reigning in this life, physical healing, the Holy Spirit, God in you, the hope of glory. Those are just a few of the promises that are yours just by choosing to give your life to Christ and make Him Lord of your life and Following him. These are promises that God has for you. What does the world promise you? Well, here's, I'll tell you what, here's the American dream. Here's the American dream. You can go a half a million dollars in debt for a townhouse with no yard and no parking. You can work for the next 50 years and spend the last 11 years of your life in the doctor's office or the hospital. Uh, and just be a good citizen and don't forget to pay your taxes, or we 'll give you free room and board. <laughs> My point is is that the world 's promises always have strings attached, always have strings attached, but god 's promises always come by grace. God just gives. He blesses. What if we started to live our lives according to promises? What if, okay, this is a big one, what if, and this is how to, this is how to build your faith right here. The, the next time you have a problem, a stressor, whatever it is, instead of trying to figure it out yourself, why don't you see if God has a promise for it? Seriously, what if you just got out a Bible? Maybe you just get one of those promise Bibles even. And just see, are there any promises for this thing? Maybe you're having trouble at work. Maybe you're struggling with, with your boss or something like that. And, and uh, you don't know what you're going to do. Is there a promise for that? Well, yes, yeah, sure there is. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You know what God's saying? God's saying he is, he is more reliable than your job. He's definitely more reliable than your boss. He's more reliable. And, and what if we did that? Now, what if you're struggling in your marriage, and you're like, man, are there any promises for marriage? Oh, this is my favorite one for marriage. Those who get married at this time will have troubles. There's a promise. So Michael, that's not fair. <laughs> I know it's not fair. So I gave you a better one. It says, the same goes for you husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. But in the new life of God's grace, you are equals. There's promises for everything. There's promises for your sickness. Promises for your children. Promises for your eternity, promises everywhere, promises can fuel your faith. Promises give you the ability to say, yes, my reality and my circumstances are terrible, but I have this promise. I have this promise from God. Which promises should I count on? You know, I think if it's in the Bible, it's probably for you. Okay? Say, well, some folks say the Old Testament isn't for me. Well, some folks are wrong. Another thing we should suit up with, God's glory, God's promises, but also God's nature. God's nature is the kind of God he is. And the kind of God that he is, is a very kind God. In your wildest imagination, you will never overestimate him. You will never expect too much from him. You will never ask too much of him. You will never understand so much. In fact, no matter how far, deep, wide, deep long you travel with God, he will always be and never cease to be amazing. One of my favorite passages about this is in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And second just quick quick story. 2nd Samuel 7, David has established his kingdom. I mean, he's he's king, buddy. Everything is good. He's on the throne. This is this is the prime of David's time. And so he turns to the prophet, Nathan, and he says, man, I want to build God a house. How, how, can we use the word bodacious still? I know it's a 90s term, but like, how bodacious is that? Here's David going, like, I mean, God's been traveling in a tent for hundreds of years. I'm going to build God a house. I mean, really? (laughs) What kind of house are you going to build for God? I mean, really? And so Nathan, you know, because David has this approval and this favor on his life. Nathan goes, hey, man, do whatever your heart leads you to do. God's in it, you know. And so then he leaves, starts walking out. God sends him a text. Yo, hold up, Nathan. <laughs> and Nathan looks down at his text from God and says, uh-oh, I spoke a little out of turn. And, and, and God says through Nathan, he says, David, I'm, I'm putting this in Michael Maynard terminology. So if you look up this verse, you're going to get lost. <sighs> says, David, what I'm doing in your life isn't just for your life. I'm doing it for you and your son and your grandsons and your great-grandsons on to bless the entire world. And so I'm thinking much larger than your piddly little 70 years, David. And so I'm not giving you a kingdom. I'm giving you a legacy. I'm not making you a hero. I'm making you a legend. So Nathan goes back and he says this in a much more abbreviated term. I just, I extrapolated a bit out of it. And David, after Nathan tells him what God's going to do, that he's not going to get to build the house of God, but his son is. And and God's given him a legacy. David prays and turns to God and he says, do you treat everybody like this? (laughs) Are you this good to everybody? I'm going to tell you what, that's Christianity. That's faith right there when you begin to see how good God is being to you even right now. Even if your now isn't great, God is still being so good to you. And man, you want to start a day great? Start your day going like this Are you this good to everybody? Amen. That's the nature of God. He's good. So you got to suit up in His glory. In his promises, and in his nature, but there's more. My dad's a Marine, so there had to be more. Urgh, you gotta toughen up. All right, I almost asked you to grunt along with me, but I was afraid of what would happen. <laughs> second Peter one five. In view of all of this, make every effort. I'm going to pause there for a second. That phrase. New Living translates two different ways, but a lot of translations have the, the phrase something like make every effort in the text twice. And it's not actually in the language that way. They mean a, the, the, the two expressions mean different things, and I'm about to show you. But first he says, in view of all this, in view of God's glory, in view of his promises, in view of his nature, make every effort to respond to God's promises. This is, this is what we do. We respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love for everyone the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but those who fail to develop this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So our Christian life isn't just knowing some things, it's doing some things. And what is it we're doing? We're responding to God's promises. This is the beginning of toughening up and strengthening your faith. I was talking to a gentleman this week, we were talking about this very subject, how to grow in your faith. And, and this is the counsel I give a lot of people when they ask this question. And, and it's not fun, it's, no one ever loves it, but it's true, and it's this. When God tells you to do something, here's how you grow in your faith, when God tells you to do something, do it. Especially if it doesn't make sense. Especially if it's difficult or hard why i always go back to peter's walking on the water he's in the boat he gives jesus the test this is the dumbest test peter ever came up with but he still gave it to if you're really jesus invite me to walk on the water with you like if i wanted to get rid of you that's how i would do it if i weren't jesus i'm like yeah step out of the boat one more down But Jesus says, come on, let's walk on this raging sea. At what point do you think Peter knew the water was going to hold him up? He wasn't in the boat going, oh man, that's a street out there now, I just know it. It was still a raging sea. He didn't know the water was going to hold him up until the moment that the only thing that could hold him up was the water. See what I mean? He had to take that step of faith. It's the same with God. This is exactly how the Christian life works. God gives you things to do, things to obey that are going to lead your life. You don't find out they work until you do them, and then you find out they work. You see, we live in response to God, and this is, we American Christians have got to get this fixed. We think God lives in response to us. He's like up in heaven going, gee, I wonder what Michael wants to do today. Woohoo! That is not what's up. That's how I'm supposed to be waking up. I'm the one that's supposed to be waking up going, I wonder what the father's up to today. Woo! By the way, he's always up to something, and it's usually really fun and often terrifying. (laughs) He is a fun father. I am not kidding. The words make every effort there, basically, to capture the meaning. It's like, if you were getting ready to take a hike, to, to go hiking or backpacking, and you would get your pack, and you would start getting together your materials and things that you would need to survive in the wilderness for however long you're going to be there. For me, like 20 minutes, so I'd need a snack bar, and and I'm out, because that's all I can handle, you know. So, this is what this means. It, It means gather up your supplies. Make every effort means gather up your supplies. And he's talking in context of the promises, so gather up the promises and respond to them. God says he's going to be faithful. So live in such a way that you need and you d- depend upon God's faithfulness. God says he's going to provide. So do, excuse me, do things that God is going to provide for. We assemble those promises and we live in response to those promises. Um, I, I have a, a, an amazing dog. She's a, a pit and husky mix. So she's hot all the time and sheds, and, but she's a great dog. Everyone who comes over loves her because... Never mind, I'll stop. I, let, me not, let me get back to the story here. So I take her for walks out in the desert because I need the exercise. She doesn't. I mean, she's lean and trim, but she loves it. So we go for walks in the desert. I don't have her on a leash because it's annoying to be dragged through the desert behind a dog. It just it feels like the dog's taking me for a walk. So I just take her out and, and let her run. And there's nobody out there, so it's fine. 99.5% of the time it's great. She runs, she's a beautiful animal. She the way she dives over things and dig at badger holes. I don't know what's going to happen when a badger comes out one day, but you know, I'm watching. I got my camera ready. Uh, she loves it. And but then I can whistle or call her name and she's right back. She's a good dog until a rabbit comes out of its den. Then all bets are off. I will lose my dog. Now I'm the one having to run through the desert. And I'm not in the shape for it. I am not built for that. This is not aerodynamic. (laughs) Now I'm like, Sable, come back. And then it's awful because once she's triggered, (laughs) then a bird comes out, a butterfly, a shaking leaf. It doesn't matter. She's just running everywhere, you know. Finally, I get her back, calm her down, and so forth. I feel like that's kind of how I treat God. I feel like we're on this walk in life and I'm the one prancing and bopping all over the trails and he's like, Michael, come on over here. I got something for you. And, and a lot of times I'm just, oh yeah, Father. But then that little rabbit pops up and then boom, I'm gone. And he's like, Michael! Come back! We have to learn to live in response to God. We are walking with God, always aware of what he's up to and wants to do in our life. If we don't do that, that's how you get lost. That's how you lose your way. That's how you turn back and go, you ever been at that point in life? You're like, where is God? Anyway, he's trying to catch your running self. So I'm just kidding. You know, he's everywhere at once. I know, but you run fast. So Peter gives us all these building blocks, and I just read several of them to what a faith looks like. Faith, excellence, knowledge, self-control, endurance, compassion, unconditional love. You know what these sound like to me? Good old, I know no one loves this word anymore, but good old Christian character. 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 Character needs to make a comeback. If you ever want to have a world that you can live at peace in, a lot of people have to come into character. But character isn't popular because character is a process of growth. You have to grow to have character. And this is what Peter expects of us. He tells us we need to grow. Growing is hard, but it's very important. But, you know, I feel like we need to realize that if we don't grow, there are consequences to not growing. You know what I mean? You can either grow or you can stagnate i mean i 'm from Tennessee. I have seen stagnant ponds and it 's not something you want to swim in. I mean, if you want to catch a gar or something they 're great for that, but they 're just these mossy things you know they 're not something you want to enjoy. Our life gets like that if we don 't choose to grow so if you 're going to toughen up if you're going your faith gets stronger, you have to choose to grow. We have to stop living like beggars in our, in our world and start living like the kings and queens that we are. You know what? It's time for churches to grow up too. It's time for churches to realize this isn't about having our little holy club behind our stained glass windows, which had their purpose at time, in the time. It's time for us to be what our community needs. It's time for us to step up and do, act, take action, and bless our cities. I long for a day when cities around this country and around the world are able to say things like, you know, I don't know how we'd have got through if it hadn't have been for the churches who stood up and helped us. I'd love to hear that one day. Um, So, we toughen up by responding to God's promises. We, um, we toughen up also by caring and demonstrating care and service in the world. And the, and the last thing I want to talk about is execution. Uh, and I'm not talking about uh, burning anybody at the stake or anything like that. I, we're, we're past that, so we should be good. 2 Peter 1.10. Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove... So this phrase, work hard to prove, and, and is the same one that's, trans, or not the same one, but in a lot of translations they'll use the make every effort phrase again. This is the one we're coming back to. Make every effort, though, meant to gather your supplies. Work hard to prove means something else. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This, there's another promise. God wants to do something for you. God wants to give you something. Work hard to prove. This is oversimplified. It means fast. Simple definition. It means fast. Go fast. Speedy. It means to work hard to prove, means to get on it. Like you know what to do. It assumes competence. You know what to do. So get about doing it. That's what Peter's saying. Let's move. Go. Break. Something like that. That's what he's trying to say. It implies urgency, no dilly-dallying. Just faith is important. Your faith is important. If you sit around waiting on your faith to come to you, twiddling your thumbs, and you don't do something, you're going to lose it. Or it's going to be ineffective in your life. You're only going to address it every time you hit a hard spot or a challenge. That is not how this should be. You should be seeking Jesus, growing in your faith now. That way when the hard times come, you are ready. And you know what to do. And you have your foundation set. This is what this is about. Suiting up, toughening up, so you can act and move. Your faith has to be important to you. If your faith isn't important to you, my question is, why not? Because your faith was incredibly important to Jesus. Your faith was incredibly important to Jesus, so much so that he was willing to die for your faith. That's what Jesus thinks about your faith, how important it is to him. Do you understand? So we have to, to take our faith incredibly seriously. And you don't have to know everything. Shoot, you almost don't need to know anything. Just start. I'm a, I'm a throw him into the deep end kind of guy, by the way. my dad I never did it to my kids, but my dad always told me that that was how his dad taught him how to swim. He threw him in blue pond. I hope you figure it out. We had eight kids, now we're down to four. If that's going to happen, I want to recommend an idea called faithfulness. I love faithfulness. Um, Faithfulness is how everything is built. Everything is built on faithfulness. Uh, One of the challenges we've had at at, uh, Ordinary Faith since our inception has been small groups. Um, And small groups have lifespans and all those kind of things, and and I respect that and know that. Uh, But One of the key things, this is going to blow your mind, about having a small group is that the small group has to meet regularly. That's the trick. Say, Michael, you mean like every week, every day, every something, it has to meet regularly. Okay? Why? It's faithfulness. When we started Ordinary Faith, uh, we started house churches, and we only met like this twice a month. I called it two by four Sunday. We met on the second and fourth Sunday. Everyone came on the first and third Sunday, (laughs) but that's when we had it. We we were there the second and fourth, and I guess there was another church on the first and third that I, I didn't know about, but still, that was how we did it. But we couldn't grow on that. Why? It wasn't consistent enough. It wasn't faithful enough. What makes things work is faithfulness. It's what makes your marriage work, right? It's what makes your parenting work. Right, It's what someone, someone, someone has to say, I'll be there. Someone. I'll be faithful. I won't back down. I'll keep going. Our kids ministry is built on that faithfulness, that team of people that says every week someone's going to be there for those kids. Uh, Right now, the Operation Christmas Child team, they're working week after week to build uh, a a ministry at the end of the year that we can send off and bless some people in other lands. Faith fullness. If I could brag on John and Tammy. <laughs> yesterday, um, we're, we're, we set up, we had to set up a little, a little later yesterday. John texts me at lunch and he says, you know, the guy that was going to do this for me is not going to be able to be there. So I'm, he was on a trip out of town. He says, I'm coming back. I said, John, I got this. It's okay. He goes, no, I'm coming back. You can't stop John Orr. He's one of those guys. He's like, a, he's like a, one of those sea turtles that They slowly swim, but don't get in their way. I don't know if that's true of a sea turtle or not, but it's it's John. I mean, I miss some Saturdays. John almost never misses. Faithfulness. He sets up the temple every week. Um, This is what your life is going to be as a follower of Jesus. You're going to be in the Word every day you can get in the Bible. You're going to be with people that love Jesus. Every day that you can be with those people who love Jesus. Do you have to be perfect? No. No, but you do have to be consistent. It has to be a priority in your life. Because if it's not a priority in your life, if your faith isn't a priority in your life, I don't mean this is to be harmful or mean, but if your faith isn't a priority in your life, you don't actually have a faith. You have a habit. And those are different things. I don't think habits save. I, th- I know faith does. Okay, does that make sense? So we're going to execute. We have to be faithful. We have to put things first. We, we have to, because why? We're not doing this just for the sake of doing it. We, we don't gather on Sunday just so we can hang out together and, and say, uh, say things to each other like, hey, how are you doing? Did you have a good week? This is not why we come together. We come together because there is a finish ahead of us. There is a trophy ceremony ahead of us. An award ceremony, if you will, where Jesus gets all the awards. And then he he shares those awards and that glory with us. See, this is why you live for God's glory, because God is the only being in the universe who's confident enough and secure enough to share his glory with you. It's the only way to have true glory is to pour your glory into the glory of God because He's the only one capable of sharing glory within us. We don't share glory. We want as much as we can get. God's the only one secure enough for that. There's a finish coming. When Christ, who is, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of His Glory, that's the finish. That's the finish. Not how much you got done. Not how miserable your life was. Some people think the worst life is how you get a trophy. I don't know why they think that, but it's not true. The truth is, is that Jesus, the Father wants to, to share his glory with you. There's only there's only two things that I know that are said at the end of all things. Every human being is gonna hear one of two statements. One is, well done, my good and faithful servant, which is equal to, great job, welcome home. The other one is, I don't know you. I don't know you because you never took the time to know me, and you're not welcome in my house. Those are the two answers that we're working for. That's where we're at, so I conclude on this. How strong is your faith? Let's make it stronger. Let's suit up. Let's toughen up. Let's execute. Stop making your faith a place that exists only between your ears, and let's make it something that changes the community in which we live. Let's make it something that changes the homes in which we live, that changes our lives the way we think, that helps us to grow. Nothing is worth more. Nothing is worth more. Than your faith parents nothing is worth more than your children's faith give them everything you can to support them and prepare them for the battle that's coming i hope you're ready for a workout as we i'm about to pray when i'm done praying i'll be over there i probably have some people helping me pray. But if we can pray for you to strengthen your faith, that's what we want to do. Father God, thanks for this time together. Thanks for this amazing worship team that set this up and the songs that we sang and how appropriate they were and are. I pray, God, for the grace of God to embolden faith. You know my thoughts on this. I believe that some truly faith-destroying things are in our future. And Lord, my heart and prayer is that you would raise up such strength of faith that nothing could shake the faith of your followers in the times to come. But Lord, we must prepare. We must learn to live in response to you. We must learn to live for your glory and from your promises. Father, we, we must learn that you have everything we need and everything is for you, even from you, to send back to you. That our glory and reward is what you share with us because we have poured all into you. And I pray, God, for those in the room that are struggling with their faith, that are in a place where their faith is kind of meh, I ask you, Lord God, that you would breathe fire on it as you are the God who is consuming fire. And you would raise us up as a people who are holy, pure, passionate, and hot after you. I pray, God, today for faith to abound. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.